1: Happy New Year's Eve! Welcome to the Beyond the Game program. Beyond the Game is brought to you by Town & Country Pest Solutions, townandcountrysolutions.com. You can call Town & Country, 585-426-5024. That's 585-426-5024. Town & Country Pest Solutions, fearing nothing but God. I'm Rick Benson, along with Zach Barletta, and joining us this week is our good friend, Darren Metzger. Thanks for tuning in. We're glad to have you with us. You can follow the show on Twitter, Vimeo, Facebook, other social media platforms. The social media handle is Program at BTG Program. You can also check our website, BTGProgram.com. And just for you, our very special listener, the studio line is always open. Give us a call, 585-431-1202. That's 585-431-1202. Leave us your comments anytime, day or night. We'd love to hear what you think about the show, and... Just as important, the topics that we're discussing, we'd love to know what you think. I know, Zach, you're not the biggest college football fan there is. Personally, I won't hold it against you, Darren. You're not much (laughs) of a college football fan either, I guess, but it does say something about the kind of men you guys are, but, again, I won't hold (laughs) it against you. Later today, college football playoffs will be kicking off, albeit with three of the top four teams in the country participating. (laughs) And on Monday, January 2nd, you'll have the typical New Year's Day lineup of bowl games on January 2nd. Two of those games, the Cotton Bowl, the Outback Bowl, will be 1 o'clock starts, which I I think that's kind of weird for a Monday. Aren't most people back at work then? Isn't school back in session?
0: I think January 2nd is the observed holiday for most schools. Is this so people
1: will be off? Yeah.
0: I know I have Monday off, but I I don't know if that's just me or if that's a
2: lot of people, but... But either way, like a 1 o'clock game on a Monday, that just looks so weird on the schedule.
1: Now, obviously, scheduling the games on Monday keeps some of college football's traditional bowl games from conflicting with the NFL's final Sunday of the regular season. But there is this other interesting fact. Did you know that organizer, organizers of the Rose Parade in Pasadena made the decision way back in 1893 that they would they would not hold the event on a Sunday? College football games weren't part of those festivities the day's festivities until 1902 nine or ten years later the parade people wanted to avoid frightening horses which would have been tied up outside <laughs> churches and end up disrupting those worship services so they moved the events off of a sunday to the following day which was january 2nd and that no sunday tradition continues to today
0: you're uh, you're old enough to ride horses the church would that have been a problem
1: Uh, where's the laugh track? Aren't we supposed to have a laugh track for there?
0: Exactly. Appreciate it.
1: Monday's Rose Bowl game between Penn State and USC will be the 14th time that the games have been played on January 2nd. Kickoff is set for 5 p.m. The more you know. We have a lot to try to get in on this New Year's Eve broadcast. Of course, you know by now that the Bills have parted ways with Rex Ryan and what is sort of an unknown because people like to turn to their own people. But we have the luxury on this program of having one of the most knowledgeable Bills followers around. Of course, I'm talking about Zach, and we're going to talk to him about what's next for the Buffalo Bills. The Oakland Raiders will have to make their way through the NFL playoffs without their quarterback, MVP candidate Derek Carr. We're going to talk a bit about Carr, the Raiders' chances without him and why I'm such a big fan of the leader he is. I also want to talk a little about the apparent mutiny on the Viking ship in Minnesota. Zach, of course, will have shenanigans statements, and we'll talk about what it is we like this week. All that and more on this week's Beyond the Game program. Let me remind you that previous broadcasts, contact information and more can be found on our website, btgprogram.com. Beyond the Game is mainly a listener-supported ministry. We do our best to make the show entertaining for all sports fans, regardless of their faith interests, but our goal is to use sports to introduce the message of Jesus Christ and to leave you with something, just something to at least consider for yourself. The support of our listeners is critical in helping us do that, and if you feel so led, you can help us out by making a secure donation right there on our website. Your generous donations help keep the show on the air, as well as help us to reach reach new markets and that's really
3: and that's all i have to say about that
1: i'm benson he's barletta we also have darren Metzger with us you're listening to the beyond the game program brought to you by town and country Pest solutions
0: it's cold and snowy outside that's pretty obvious probably didn't need to tell you that Our title sponsor, Town & Country Pest Solutions, is awesome. That's also pretty obvious, but for one reason or another, not everyone with a pest problem calls them. I don't understand this. Don't be that person that thinks the cheapest deal is always the best deal. Sure, you might get a few bucks off from another pest solution company, but will you get a fully backed guarantee that they can and will fix your problem? I doubt it. But that is exactly what Town & Country Pest Solutions offers. We are personal friends of the owner and operator over at TNC, Matt and Caleb And Let me tell you, no one, I repeat, no one is more knowledgeable and crazy enough to get any and every job done. Don't believe me? Check out their Facebook page. Or even better, watch their YouTube videos. You won't be disappointed. And if you have a pest problem that needs solving, call Town & Country Pest Solutions. You definitely won't be disappointed with that decision either. What are you waiting for? Call Town & Country Pest Solutions today at 585-426-5024. That's 585-426-5024. Or visit them online at townandcountrysolutions.com. Town & Country Pest Solutions, fearing nothing but God.
2: When I have a home remodeling project, whether interior or exterior, I call McAfee's Remodeling Company. Family owned for nearly two decades, McAfee's Remodeling Company is the name I trust. Mike McAfee put a new bathroom into my house three years ago, and I'm still getting compliments on it every time someone comes over to visit. Mike and his crew are experienced and professional, and you'll be thrilled with their work. So give McAfee's Remodeling Company a call today at 402-1070. That's 402-1070. Or visit them online at McAfeeRemodeling.com.
1: Glad to have you with us. Welcome back to the Beyond the Game program, btgprogram.com or at btgprogram. My wife is an Oakland Raiders fan. Now, I've never seen her dress up in face paint, wear, you know, spikes on her shoulders or carry a club around the game or anything
0: like that. If she did, would you find her more attractive? Maybe.
1: (laughs) Although she does wear her Howie Long jersey faithfully. And for years would send him a Christmas card every year. (laughs) In fact, she had her students, her class, they would all send him a Christmas card every year. So like most every other Raiders fan, she's slightly left of center. (laughs) I saw a meme circulating. It's the one I sent you guys this week that I had to forward her. Just when you think you're almost to your destination, but your car breaks Mm -hmm. down, and car is spelled with two R's, and it's a picture of Derek uh, Carr being dragged off the field. That's sad. Yeah, what a disheartening injury. How tough is that for the Raiders, for their fans, for Carr? In the midst of what's really an MVP caliber season, staring at a real shot at the Super Bowl, you lose your top guy.
0: I'm not going to lie. I'm friends with a guy on Facebook who's a Raiders fan. He kind of annoys me. So when I saw that Derek Carr got hurt, I LOL'd. But not like the LOL where you're trying to end a conversation, like a real LOL. And then I felt like a terrible human being.
1: Well, you are a terrible (laughs) human being, so you should feel that way. (laughs) If you follow me or even the show on Twitter, you saw some of Carr's retweets that I posted at Rick Benson to follow me. Rick is spelled without a C because I'm Smart enough to know that the C is redundant next to a K. <laughs> I'm going to save myself approximately 10 minutes of life by not writing out the C, and I'll do whatever I want with those 10 minutes. At Rick Benson or at BTG program to drop a couple of shameless plugs. But among a couple of encouraging tweets Carr posted, which revealed a little of his character and his strong faith, was one that said, this will be a day I will never forget. He will be glorified. Much love, everybody. I will be back stronger than ever very soon. Hashtag blessed. I'm a big fan of of Derek Carr. I I like how he lives out his faith. I'm not necessarily a Raiders fan, but I am cheering for him. You know, I want to see him do well. I'm looking forward to seeing him get back on the field. My wife asked me if I thought the Raiders season was over, and I'll tell you, I think it's certainly a punch to the gut uh, to lose a guy like Carr. He's certainly the leader of the offense, if not the the entire team itself. I, I know they've got Khalil Mack there, but the, the team is winning again. That's a large part to Derek Carr. While it's difficult to lose Carr, I think back is a capable backup. Now I know, I know what you're going to say. He's one and five in his six career starts, but that's when the Raiders were awful and he was in his rookie season. I think they went like four and twelve or something that year. Yeah, I, I think he could do the job, but. The reality is, the further the Raiders go, the more difficult it is to advance with a with a backup quarterback. The experience of a starter is invaluable with every game that the playoffs advance. Wouldn't you agree? Absolutely. Well said. The Raiders can really help themselves <laughs> by getting the number two seed in the playoffs by beating the Broncos on Sunday. A first-round bye, a home game, would make things so much easier for McGloin. But even with his injury— The leadership of a a guy like Carr is still valuable. You know, the help he can be on the sideline preparing for the upcoming playoff matches could be critical in determining how far the Raiders are going to go. And Carr seems to be that kind of leader, willing to stand up and help those who need it. And to go about it humbly, to go about it sincerely, he's even offered to help Johnny Manziel. You know, that's pretty cool.
0: I don't think anyone can help him.
1: Listen, Johnny Manziel's put himself in a corner where people are rooting against him. They want to see mm-hmm. him fail. But now here's Derek Carr offering to help. And while they say some are finding satisfaction in Manziel's failures and hoping he never plays again, Carr's a guy who would like to help if he can. Probably not going to get another job in the NFL. But was he taken in the same draft as Carr was? Were they in the same draft? Because they've taken drastically different paths. During a recent interview with Peter King of Sports Illustrated, Carr said, You know, I spent a lot of time around him. He's such a good dude. I obviously wish him the best. Hopefully one day he'll reach out. I'd be able to talk to him and be a friend to him. Carr's words got back to Manziel as he reached out through Twitter saying, I'll gladly take you up on that offer. How cool would that be? I mean, really. I hope he's sincere. Carr pointed out that Manziel is still very young, which is probably the only thing he would have going for him to get another shot in the NFL. He wasn't productive when he did play, and the baggage he carries is— They
0: they, were the same draft. They
1: were the same draft. That's what I thought. The baggage he carries is significant, not to mention that he's probably going to have to serve a suspension should he get another job, Mm. but I rather hope he does. We all like underdog stories, but we like our underdogs to have humility. I think unless he were to approach things humbly, there probably wouldn't be any team that would take a chance on Johnny Manziel— but if he did conduct himself with a little bit of humility, then, then I think there's a small chance he could catch on somebody. You know, teams need a quarterback, and he did have a lot of talent and still has a lot of talent, I'm sure, though nobody's going to come offering a starting job, and that's, that's a little bit of a dose of
0: humility itself. He was just recent, up till recently the last quarterback to win a game for the Browns, too. <laughs> up until recently. <laughs> they're, <Yeah>. they're bad. <laughs>
1: John the Baptist knew of humility. At the time before Jesus began his public ministry, John was well known for baptizing people in the faith. And then Jesus comes along, and now John's work sort of dries up a little. Business is drying up. Jesus is doing a huge number of baptisms. And when John's friends inquired about this, his answer was short and sweet. This is John uh, chapter 3, verse 30. He says, He must increase, I must decrease. He must increase, I must decrease. David Guzik, a Bible scholar, says it very well. He says that should be the motto of every Christian. Jesus becomes greater and more visible, and the servant should become less and less visible. Guzik points out that that's even more important for Christian leaders. John the Baptist understood humility, and because of that, he was so good at doing what all of us should be doing, which is pointing people to Jesus. I'm a big Derek Carr fan. I've said that two or three times already in this segment. But I've prayed since that interview with Peter King that God would be able to use him to help Menzel. While I don't know him personally, by all accounts, I understand Derek Carr to have a real faith in Christ. But being a Christian doesn't mean that Derek Carr is not familiar with some of the things that Menzel has been involved in. There are a number of videos out there, but one in particular I saw was put together by a ministry called The Increase. Carr and his wife talk about how he would claim to be a Christian and, and, and talk about how much he loved God, but then would go out to parties and live contrary to the way to what would be pleasing to God. That is until he came to the point in his life where he was serious about God. This is Derek Carr talking about going in front of his teammates to talk about the decision he made to truly follow Christ.
2: We had a game at, at the University of Old Miss and, uh, I got up in front of my whole team and I told them, I, I said, guys, I've been calling myself a Christian and, uh, you know, I haven't been living it. You know, I've been, you guys know what I've been doing. Uh, I'm a Christian now and, uh, I've asked God for his forgiveness. Now watch how I live my lifestyle. And that's really what a Christian's about.
1: That clips from a video courtesy of a ministry called the Increase. How exciting would it be if Johnny Manziel were to surrender his life to Christ? Forget playing football, just being in a relationship with Jesus Christ, knowing God, living for him. What a dramatic testimony Manziel would have if he allowed God to change him. The public is so familiar with his failures. To see him change would have such an impact. And I don't know to what extent Carr would be able to help Manziel, even if for certainty, he, if he were to get that chance. But before anything can happen, Car had to at least be obedient to God and make himself available. And this is the part I think is so cool that he stepped out, willing to help Darren. You said earlier nobody can help Manzel, and God can through somebody.
0: I meant human beings. I just want to.
1: Put yeah, I, out. I, I, I know, I know what <laughs> you meant. But there's so much impact each of us could have if we take the time to just first take that first step, surrender ourselves to what God has in store, step out on faith. Make ourselves available, which is what Carr is doing. He's simply offering to be a friend. We can see this as a challenge to ourselves, to be a friend. We all know people who don't know Jesus. Maybe they know that you go to church, but have they ever heard about how Jesus forgives sins? Have they ever heard you talk about how he changed your life? What if every believer right now that's listening invited just one person to church this week? Maybe one lunch, one coffee with a friend who could use a helping hand. It's very easy for a guy like me, for a guy like you guys, to sit behind a mic and criticize the decisions and the deeds of Johnny Manziel. He's given me numerous opportunities. We've talked about him a number of times on the show. gives us opportunities to use his example as a way to share a thought from Scripture. But as a friend... If somebody goes to him as a friend, your voice is more significant in the lives of others than somebody behind a mic. A word from a stranger can be powerful, but a word from a friend comes from a place of love. It comes from a place of compassion. It's a kindness that friends respond to one another with. To be honest, and I speak this to my shame, despite the many times I've brought up Manziel's name on this program, this was the first time I actually stopped to pray for him. You know, sometimes we don't think to pray for people that we don't know. Uh, we pray for our leaders. We pray for our country. But have you have you prayed for a professional athlete? Well, I was praying for him, and this was the first time. I'm praying that Derek Carr might be able to reach him. How often are you praying for unbelievers in your life? How often have you made yourself available to them and just let them know that you care? I mean, I mean honestly, there's a risk in that because it can be pretty inconvenient. But I imagine the cross— was a bit of an inconvenience to Christ. Galatians six one says, "Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted." Follows that up in verse two by instructing instructing us to bear one another's burdens. Isn't it interesting that it's presented so one sided? The Bible isn't saying to expect others to bear your burdens. God is talking to each one of us and telling us to bear the burdens of someone else. Most of us rarely do that. We don't do that because we aren't actively looking for someone's burdens to bear, which is exactly what Derek Carr was doing when he reached out towards Johnny Mansell. The first step is making—the first step, I should say, to making a difference— in the lives of others, is stepping out and being available for God's use. But the second step is looking for people, maybe even friends, which we can help in some way. What's truly amazing to me, when I consider the wonder of God and all-powerful, think about God, all-powerful, all-knowing, creator of life just by simply speaking words, when you read the creation account in Genesis You ever notice how it refers to when he created the stars in Genesis 1, 16? It's almost like, uh, by the way, he made the stars also. Like it's no big deal. Just, oh, he made the stars too. You take that God, what's truly amazing, that same powerful God saw that man had a sin problem, which he couldn't solve for himself, and that because of man's sin problem, man would be separated from a holy God. So God reached out to us. In the same way that he wants us to reach out to others, he took the first step. He came to earth as a humble child with the sole purpose of dying on a cross to pay for your sins and for mine. This is what the Christmas season is all about, supposed to be all about. It's not about buying cars or jewelry, celebrating that first step that God took towards man in order to redeem him. When you respond to God's reaching out and you place your faith in him, when he looks at your sin, he sees the, the blood of his son which was shed on the cross to cover your, your sin. His sacrifice at the cross is sufficient to redeem the sins of all man. your sin, my sin. You can't enjoy a restored relationship with God without placing your faith and your trust in him. He made the first step, the hardest step. God made it possible for your sins to be forgiven, those sins which separate you from God. That means simply admitting to God that you're a sinner and that you believe Jesus gave his life on the cross for you, admitting that you believe Jesus rose from the grave and asking God to forgive you of your sins. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. I hope that if you don't know Jesus as your Savior, you'll make that choice today. If we can help, reach out through our website, btgprogram.com. And as we head into a new year, just take a moment and think about what God has done to reach out to you. And if you're a believer, join me in praying for Derek Carr, for Johnny Manziel. And let's challenge ourselves to be friends by not only pointing people to Jesus, but by looking for people we can help, people who uh, whose burdens we can bear. Thanks for listening. This is the Beyond the Game program. I'm Rick Benson. There are those guys. Zach Barletta, Darren Metzger. Beyond the Game is brought to you by Town & Country, Pest Solutions. Well, here you go. Here is the Red Hawks Report for this week, December thirty first, 2016. The Red Hawks Report is, as always, presented by Roberts Wesleyan College been a holiday break for the roberts wesleyan athletics team, but they'll be back in action this coming week so let me give you a few opportunities that you have to head out to roberts and support the red hawks the women's basketball team will be hosting st michael's college later today that's december 31st at 1 p.m they'll also be home to take on mercy college next wednesday the 4th at 6 p.m the red hawks men's basketball team they too will return to the floor on monday january 2nd taking on adelphi university at 2 p.m and then they'll be hosting Mercy as well on Wednesday, their game being at 8 p.m. Sounds like it could be a fun night next Wednesday night if you wanted to head out to the Baller Athletic Center. You could take in the women's game at 6 p.m. and then stay for the men's game at 8. And there you have it, the Red Hawks report for this week, December thirty first, 2016. The Red Hawks report is presented by Roberts Wesleyan College. And remember, you can follow Roberts Wesleyan Athletics on Twitter, at RWC RWCRedHawks. This has been the Red Hawks report presented by Robert's Wesleyan College.
3: Do you know a high school athlete looking for a D two college? Hi, I'm Dr. Dina Porterfield, President of Robert's Wesleyan College, where athletics are fundamental to our commitment to educate for character. Our athletic program is strong and getting stronger every year. We offer seventeen varsity sports, from lacrosse and basketball to track and field and soccer, and the only Division two athletic program in the area. Tell the young athlete in your life about Roberts. Visit roberts.edu.
0: It's here. Ram Sports Network. Christian sports television. That's right. Christian sports television. Ram Sports
2: Network
1: is the first Christian sports TV channel with programming from who to the pros. Games, events, sports talk, fitness and nutrition. Sports missions, western sports
0: and sports ministry. We're spreading the gospel through sports. Watch us now at ramsportsnetwork.com. Or find us on the Roku Channel Store, Ram Sports Network,
1: more than a game. Welcome back to Beyond the Game, recording in the BTG studio in Rochester, New York, btgprogram.com or at btgprogram. We're here in Western New York, which, of course, is the heart of Buffalo Bills territory. And Zach, you're a Bills fan. Everybody knows that about you. But beyond that, there are there's very few people who know the team as well as you do. I know the guys at ESPN, Fox, CBS, these places, they all turn to their own regular guys, you know, that you see the same guys showing up over and over. But all they have is like name recognition and maybe a couple of sources closer to the team, but they don't know anything more than you. Those guys aren't any that. more knowledgeable. Your nerd life alter ego really helps you here because you eat up stats, podcasts, info, and analytics sites. That part's makes true. It makes you a great source for Bill's and information. And eventually one of these media outlets, will they're going to turn to you, and we're going to have to get a new producer or turn to the idiot at the end of the <laughs> row there and have to work with him. But
2: I'm waiting for a phone call for the head coaching vacancy. Yeah.
1: Uh, The Bills this week dismissed Rex Ryan, one of the more entertaining focal head coaches in the league, one one week before the end of yet another non-playoff season for the Bills. And we'd have to go back, but I think I suggested on this program three games into his career with the Bills that the Buffalo had made a mistake and they should let let him go right then. Now, I like Rex. I think he's a likable guy. I I think he's a regular guy personality that I really appreciate. I just don't think he's a good NFL coach. Coordinator, defensive coordinator, another assistant coach position, sure. But to me, he just seems too disorganized to be able to handle all the details that a good head coach needs to be able to handle. That's why you end up with 10 guys on the field in a critical situation of a game. Mm -hmm. But let me ask you. When you first heard the news about Rex Ryan, what was your reaction?
2: Excitement and relief. Excited that they, you know, we are going to get to get a coach in here who is better. Like, I agree with you. Rex is not a great football coach. I'm excited for the chance to maybe bring in somebody who can take the offense to the next level. And I was relieved that it sort of finally happened and we could stop speculating about it. I, I never wanted him to be here. We had a and we had a massive text chain about this when the hiring was announced. I wanted Hugh Jackson. And I mean Hugh Jackson didn't have a great year either, but I, I I was excited and I was relieved that it's finally over.
1: But now, Darren, you like Rex Ryan probably more than us. Are you liking his personality or do you like him as a head coach of your football team?
0: Honestly, I I did like him a lot more when they first brought him in. I was the one person in the room saying I'm excited about this. I thought he'd do better than he did, and I agree with everything Zach said, but I'm in the camp of they should not have fired him.
1: And your main thing is not that they were firing Rex, that you think they need continuity. You just want a guy there for more than two years.
0: The only constant in the last 17 seasons has been a new coach every two to three years. So Zach's excited about starting over. Haven't we been excited about starting over every two to three years for 17 seasons now? What's the worst that happens? They yeah. miss the playoffs again? I, Keep them.
1: I, I think you got to have the right guy. But I understand your, your hang-up there. You want your team to have a guy for more than a couple of years mm-hmm. and whoever that guy is. But I think it has to be the right guy. I was calling him for Rex, as I just said, to go a few games in the career. Obviously, that wasn't going to happen. But I wanted ownership to acknowledge I make a mistake and I said then, rather than wait two years, which is what they did, and here we are two years later, really haven't, the Bills haven't progressed. In fact, if anything, they've taken a step back. But in mm-hmm. fairness, Zach, is is two seasons enough to give a guy to turn a team around?
2: Maybe not everywhere. Like, I think in Cleveland, where it's clearly a long-term rebuild, what's the harm? Give them time to build, you know, the, the buzzword that we always hear, the culture. Build the culture. In a place like Buffalo, I think it's plenty of time because remember when he was hired, they were coming off a 9-7 and season. They had just barely missed the playoffs. Things were looking up for the Bills and then Doug Marone suddenly leaves and we get here. But the Bills were looked at as a team that was on the precipice and Rex was going to be that final piece. It was not supposed to be a rebuild. And I think when you're that, when you perceive yourself to be that close and suddenly now you're in the lows that we're in, I think two years is plenty of time.
1: There are some that would disagree. We've heard that in the days since. We've seen it in the papers. People aren't thinking that Rex, and maybe even Darren is in a little bit in this court, is not getting a fair shake after being let go after only two seasons. So what are some of those things, Zach, that you saw that are obvious reasons that made this this change necessary?
2: Well, the, the biggest thing that stood out to me is that he was terrible at what he was supposed to be great at. You know, he was supposed to be this defensive mastermind with this exotic scheme that would confuse even veteran quarterbacks, and there was going to be pressure, and you never knew where it was going to be coming from and stuff, and he came in number, and the Bills had been the number four defense the year before, and he said, well, we think number four is a little disappointing. We're going to be number one, and they ended up being never anywhere close to that, but he came in with the expectation that he's going to make this defense an elite defense, and instead it regressed. To worse than what it was before and i think when you bring somebody in based on their defensive reputation and then the defense is the worst part of your team i think that says a lot and the other thing that really bothered me was the penalties i think we've talked about this before <laughs> that this team was so the lack of accountability undisciplined and jerry it. hughes and jerry hughes was a was probably the head guy that oh. we would be mad at every week and it, it just it was a reflection of rex you know, Rex is this aggressive and loudmouth and undisciplined and off-the-cuff type of a person, and the team really took that personality on. And it, it wasn't so much that you know, there are good teams that take penalties, like the Seahawks, just from playing physical football, take so many penalties. But these were stupid penalties, mm-hmm. ripping the helmet off a quarterback, shoving a guy, head-butting a guy, you know— it, Rex getting a penalty for yelling cuss words at an official. Like they were undisciplined penalties that were completely unnecessary. And those yeah. two things really bugged
1: me. I think hiring his brother, well, I think it's a great mm-hmm. story. I'm sure it was a thrill for them from a sentimental perspective, from a family perspective. I thought it was kind of cool. There, these two brothers are working together, but that's a bad hire. Mm-hmm. You know, just to hire somebody because they're family, that was a bad hire. And the fact that he had so many assistants with him. The Bills had something like 27 or 28 assistants on the staff, and they still, as you said, were making stupid mistakes. Mm. That I think that comes down on Rex. And, you know, now there's a couple of people that think it was unfair. They think it was a shot at him to not let him finish the season by coaching against his former team, the Jets, and uh, the game is in New York tomorrow. But I think the Bills have a good reason to do that because they want to take a look at Anthony Lynn but let me ask: Does one game, as an interim head coach, really help the Bills evaluate if Lynn can be their guy?
2: No, um, especially when they're forcing him. They're forcing him to play EJ Manuel at quarterback. <laughs> you know, nobody's to look like a good coach with EJ Manuel at quarterback. But I feel like the Bills already know who Anthony Lynn is, what kind of system he's going to run. I mean, he's been here for two years now, you know, and he's been working his way up and he was already had the title of assistant head coach before the season. So they already were familiar with him enough to do that. They trusted him. I think they probably already know if they want him to be the head coach or not, so I really don't feel like this is an audition at all.
1: He, ironically, interviewed for the Jets job after Rex Ryan was let go there after six seasons. The Dolphins interviewed him after last season. This guy's going to be—he's going to get some looks for a team. Let's be honest, as a black coach— He's going to get even additional consideration because of the Rooney rule, which, by yeah. the way, this is an insult, because Lynch should not be perceived as a guy only getting a look because of he fulfills the Rooney rule. This guy is going to be a legitimate head coach in this league. He's a solid option for anyone with mm-hmm. a coaching vacancy. But are the Bills really prepared to put their franchise in his hands, or do they need a more splashy – do they need a name? Is that why Rex Ryan was brought in? Do they need a name to give fans confidence that the team is moving in the direct in the right direction, or can will fans be confident? I guess what I'm asking with a guy like Anthony Lynn.
2: I think a splashy name is probably the worst thing you could do, because two years ago Rex Ryan was the splashy name, you know. And how did that turn out? I think if you hire somebody because of their PR value, which the Bills I feel like are tempted to do, I feel like. That's not the right reason to do it. I feel like that rarely works out. And the fans, I think if you're going to bring in a coach that's not an established big-name coach, Anthony Lynn would be the best guy because the most Bills fans are satisfied with what he's done with the offense.
1: Darren, what are you going to add to that?
0: I guess splashy name's going to sell season tickets like it did with Rex. But forget all that. Like Buffalo Bills organization, let's pretend that you're listening here. Just get the right coach in there and make the playoffs then you'll sell more tickets. Like I'm so sick of all of this.
1: The Dolphins passed on Lynn when they interviewed him last year instead of opting for Adam Gase, and he's got his team in the playoffs mm-hmm. in his first season as a team coach. Do the Bills have the pieces in place where they can do that next year if they get the right guy? If it's Anthony Lynn or anyone else, do the Bills have the pieces, or is this going to be the start of another rebuilding process?
2: Uh, if you get the right coach, I think it's certainly possible. I mean, coming into this season, if you looked at the two teams on paper, I certainly felt like the Bills had more talent than the Dolphins did, and here the Dolphins are going to the playoffs, um, and it, they're a similar situation. First-time head coach, first year coaching the team, not a lot of roster turnover from last year, but they're better coached, they bought into the system, and here they are 10 wins later going to the playoffs. I think the Bills have a lot of talent on the defensive line, they have some young players at linebacker that are getting healthy that are going to play. You've got Sammy Watkins and LaShawn McCoy on this team. So I think if if you get the right coach in here, I think they certainly could be a wild-card team.
1: There's obviously going to be more openings. We already know of L.A. We know of Jacksonville. We now know of Buffalo. Is Buffalo at a disadvantage? Really, it snows a lot. It's not a fun (laughs) market necessarily compared to, like, New York or L.A. It's not that flashy thing. Places like Chicago maybe open, New Orleans, uh, San Diego maybe, maybe the Jets. Are they at a disadvantage to luring a good coach here?
2: I think so. Uh, just because the reputation that we have, we have the reputation as well, they've been 17 years without the playoffs now. There's a reputation of losing. There's a reputation of bad weather. You know, and No and, one
0: can get along with Doug Whaley, apparently.
2: Yeah, there's all of that stuff. Oh, that's a big obstacle. I think that um,
0: it's a serious one.
2: On the other side of the equation, we have the reputation for a fan base that's really passionate. Teams know when they come to Buffalo to play here, they're going to have a tough time hearing the signals because our fans are going to be loud. They're going to be involved in the game. Um, so I don't know. I see both sides. I think if if you're an established name brand coach, you're going to have better options. But if, if you're a first time head coach, I, I think Buffalo is a fine place to go.
1: You may not know his name, but Zach Barletta is as good a Bill's beat reporter as you'll find anywhere. And we're fortunate enough to have him on this program every week. You're listening to the Beyond the Game program brought to you by Town & Country Pest Solutions. We'll be right back after a few words from our sponsors.
0: It's cold and snowy outside. That's pretty obvious. Probably didn't need to tell you that. Our title sponsor, Town & Country Pest Solutions, is awesome. That's also pretty obvious, but for one reason or another, not everyone with a pest problem calls them. I don't understand this. Don't be that person that thinks the cheapest deal is always the best deal. Sure, you might get a few bucks off from another pest solution company, but will you get a fully backed guarantee that they can and will fix your problem? I doubt it. But that is exactly what Town & Country Pest Solutions offers. We are personal friends of the owner and operator over at TNC, Matt and Caleb And Let me tell you, no one, I repeat, no one is more knowledgeable and crazy enough... To get any and every job done. Don't believe me? Check out their Facebook page. Or even better, watch their YouTube videos. You won't be disappointed. And if you have a pest problem that needs solving, call Town & Country Pest Solutions. You definitely won't be disappointed with that decision either. What are you waiting for? Call Town & Country Pest Solutions today at 585-426-5024. That's 585-426-5024. Or visit them online at townandcountrysolutions.com. Town & Country Pest Solutions. Fearing nothing but God.
3: If you know a high school athlete looking to become their best self, think Roberts Wesleyan College. Hi, I'm Dr. Dina Porterfield, president of Roberts. We recently won six conference titles. Our teams have made three NCAA National Championship appearances, and 96 student athletes were named East Coast All-Conference. And Roberts has the only NCAA Division II program in Greater Rochester. Tell the athlete in your life about Roberts. Visit roberts.edu.
1: Welcome back into the show, Benson and Barletta, and joining us this week is our good friend Darren Metzger. The Minnesota Vikings, one-time owners of an unblemished 5-0 record as they entered their bye week, looking like the class of the NFL. People everywhere talking about Coach Mike Zimmer and how he was going to be the next Bill Belichick, and while he may yet still be, the Vikings are now 7-8, and eight, have only won two games since. And they're going to be sitting home for the playoffs, something that looked inconceivable at the time.
0: Inconceivable! I was going to say you should get that sound clip. Perfect. All right. Sorry, I got real excited That's why you're here, man. That's why
1: we got you here. (laughs) Last Saturday, with the playoffs no longer a possibility and nothing to play for but pride, the Vikings couldn't even play spoiler. I mean, they were unable to give fans a decent Christmas present. They went out and got lit up by Aaron Rodgers and the Packers, 38-25. Type of collapse not often seen. This type of fold is significant proportions. And you could point to any number of reasons. I know they're without their starting starting quarterback. I know they've had limited use of Adrian Peterson. And I know the Peterson they, they have had is not the Adrian Peterson that we used to see. But every team has to overcome injuries. And there's nobody going to feel sorry for the Minnesota Vikings but injuries alone are not why they have gone 2-8 and eight since starting out 5-0. and oh. In the first half against the Packers, Minnesota allowed Jordy Nelson to go for 145 yards and two touchdowns and just seven receptions. In the second half, they limited Nelson to only two more receptions and a meager nine yards. So what, what, what adjustment did they make? What changed? Well, apparently they just started listening to their coach. A little something called trust and obedience. Vikings cornerback Xavier Rhodes admitted after the game that the secondary opted to intentionally not follow coach Mike Zimmer's instructions. They went rogue. They, they they did their own thing. And when the team went in at halftime, Zimmer ordered the players to go back to the original game plan and the results the results speak for themselves. The plan worked. Then have the, the halftime adjustment was confirmed, but Zimmer said afterwards that he acknowledged that the players hadn't followed the game plan until he instructed them at the half to do that. Zimmer told the local Star-Tribune newspaper there in Minneapolis that he was supposed to do, that's what he was supposed to do the whole game. Someone decided they wouldn't do that. And when reporters asked Rhodes who made the decision to go against the coach's orders, Rhodes said, to be honest, I really don't want to answer that. Zimmer, though, also confirmed that he exchanged words with cornerback Terrence Newman about the situation in the first half. Now let's stop for a moment and dispel any illusions about Zimmer being the next Bill Belichick because this doesn't happen on the Patriots. Mm-hmm. If it did, the, the, the players wouldn't have to make halftime adjustments because they would have already been traded while the game was going on. <laughs> you know, th- th- this doesn't happen on the Patriots. Everyone connected to the Vikings, it, has seen, it seems now, is downplaying the incident. You know, Zimmer, Rhodes, even that Viking mascot is in full <laughs> damage control. The team is now saying that at the as soon as the first defensive series ended, Zimmer addressed the players and corrected the situation. They're also saying that the media has blown the whole thing out of proportion. I mean, if that's true, why did both Rhodes and Zimmer say the things they said to the Star Tribune after the game? Now they not only have a reported mutiny to deal with, But they've also got this stupid cover-up that they seem to be trying to put together. And as they head into the offseason, after tomorrow's game with the Bears, they have an entire year to deal with how Zimmer and his staff were unable to get the situation under control until halftime. As far as Rhodes is concerned, he's saying that the team did not revolt against their coach, but it was just a miscommunication. And when pressed about what that meant, Rhodes simply repeated that it was just a miscommunication. He said through Twitter, It's amazing that people believe everything they hear. It's more to the story. To all who knows me knows I obey authority. Okay, you know, I-, I could buy some of this. But then what did happen? And that's what nobody's saying. You know, all right, whatever happened, happened. At least say what it is. Don't just try to sweep it under, sweep it under a rug. Give an honest and forthcoming explanation. You know what most people are going to do when you do that? They're going to move on to the next thing. You know, But if you keep skirting around, if that's, their, if that's what they're going to do for damage control, just skirt around the issue, it's just going to keep coming up again and again. For what it's worth, little of this makes any sense to me. For one, why would Zimmer wait until halftime to fix this situation? I mean, I, wouldn't you think they'd be on the bench without having a chance to do it again?
2: Yeah, well, and some of the reporting said that it was only the first drive. I think the Vikings said it was only the first drive. So we're not sure exactly how long it went on.
1: If the team did revolt, why, why would Rhodes even bring it up? Uh, why mention it? And if Terrence Newman was the ring, ringleader, that even makes less sense because he's a veteran guy. He's a guy that campaigned for Zimmer to be brought in. I suspect, which is often the case, that the truth is somewhere in the middle. Despite the old cliche, there's actually three sides to every story. There's the two differing sides, and then there's the truth, which is really probably a blend of the two. I have a hard time believing that the players pulled an outright mutiny, you know, (laughs) for 30 minutes of a football game. Uh, But then again, I also have a hard time believing that there was a communication issue for 30 minutes of a football game. Zimmer and the Vikings have a problem. I doubt very much this problem just sort of crept up in week 15 of the NFL season. Going 5-0 and in the early part probably helped hide some of the unsightly blemishes that the team had all along. Playoff football teams don't have these issues. They don't have players and coaches not on the same page with one another. They don't have players deciding which plays they will execute according to the game plan and which they won't. And this might be so- difficult for some people to accept, but living the Christian lifestyle is the same way. You can't claim to be a sold-out Christian, can't be claimed to sold out for Christ, and then pick and choose which of his commands you're going to follow. You can't claim to love God and then opt to live according to your own rules or your own plan. That's where hypocrisy originates. That's where claims of, you know, uh, that's, the church is so hypocritical. Rightly so. Oftentimes it is. Jesus said in John 14, 15, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Seems pretty straightforward to me, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. If you love me, you'll keep my commands. He says it again in verse 21 of John 14. He who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him, and I will disclose myself to him. Some may wonder why they don't grow as a Christian or why their faith only seems to be real on Sunday morning. When one truly loves God, they will do what he says. Not just once a week, but throughout the entire week. It becomes a lifestyle. It's how they live their life day in and day out. And when one does that, God will reveal himself to that person more and more and more. The great old hymn is accurate. Here's, here it says this, When we walk with the Lord in the light of his word, what a glory he sheds on our way. While we do his good will, he bides in us still with all who will trust and obey. It's one of my favorite old hymns. Context here is right on. It was written
0: when you were born, wasn't it?
1: It was late 1800s, so you could just back up your train. (laughs) (laughs) It's somewhat easy to throw your hands in the air on Sunday morning. You know, you see the people that throw up their hands in a worship song, declare how much they love the Lord, maybe even sway to the tune, dance in there in the pew. Uh, That's all fine. But oftentimes that can be an emotional response and it's left right there in the church building when they go home. Then just when they on their way home, that driver pulls out in front of them, and I can tell you what, they're not singing the love of Jesus then, although they might be using his name, but <laughs> that's not, they're not singing praises. Look, I see a lot of people trying to reconcile the lifestyle they want to live with the commandments on how God actually thinks a believer or instructs a believer, I should say, should be living. I know of people— Good people, dear people, sweet people, wonderful people who make numerous social media comments and posts about how much they worship the Father, how much they love God, how wonderful the name of Jesus. And then they justify their sexual relationships outside the marriage bed. They justify shacking up with their girlfriend or their boyfriend or justify whatever sinful activity they want to partake in. Here's an example that hits close to home. Gluttony is a sin. Gluttony is a sin. And how does some continue to declare how they love God when they won't even put him above their own cravings? Philippians 3.19 says, Whose end is destruction, whose God is their appetite, and whose glory is in their shame, who set their minds on earthly things. Look, man, I, I'm not trying to be hurtful. I, I'm not trying to be overly critical. I know people have issues. I know there are various health things that relate to weight issues. I struggle with weight we all have those sins that, that beset us, and it's hard to fight our flesh and be obedient to God. But obedience is better than sacrifice, the Bible says in 1 Samuel 15, 22. The reason some people don't enjoy a fullness in their spiritual lives is because they're not being obedient to the coach's game plan. They're choosing to approach God's Word as a buffet, choosing what they like and ignoring those things they don't. Now, I know I'm stepping on some toes, and I apologize. I can feel the pressure on my toes just as well. It's hard. Being a sold-out Christian, it's not for the faint of heart, but it's what God asks of us. In fact, it's only reasonable, he says. Romans 12.1 says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. My goal with this segment is not to offend. Instead, I hope to challenge you. I hope to challenge myself. It's hard, yes, but I hope you will discipline yourself to live the life that Christ intended for you. Obey His commandments. If you love Him, you will obey His commandments. As we enter a new year, I would love to know that every believer in Christ would reach a fuller depth in their relationship with God than they ever had before. We are made for more. We are called for more. And you have the power within you. Philippians 4.13 I can do all things through him which strengthens me. Thanks for sticking with us. As with anything you hear on our program, you can reach out to us through our website or our studio line. BTG program is where you can find us. If there's anything we can do to help you learn more about being a Christian, or even if you want just someone to pray for you, we'd be honored to be there to help. You're listening to the Beyond the Game program brought to you. By Town & Country, Pest Solutions.
2: When I have a home remodeling project, whether interior or exterior, I call McAfee's Remodeling Company. Family owned for nearly two decades, McAfee's Remodeling Company is the name I trust. Mike McAfee put a new bathroom into my house three years ago, and I'm still getting compliments on it every time someone comes over to visit. Mike and his crew are experienced and professional, and you'll be thrilled with their work. So give McAfee's Remodeling Company a call today at 402-1070. That's 402-1070. Or visit them online at McCaffeyRemodeling.com. You're listening to Beyond the Game, talking sports from a different point of view. Beyond the Game is listener supported. You can help by making a one-time gift or perhaps even committing to a monthly pledge amount. And if you own a business, consider advertising during the Beyond the Game program and promote your business to large audiences of both sports fans and people of faith. Please join us as we seek to encourage, equip, and evangelize through Sports Talk Radio. Visit our website at btgprogram.com for more information or make a donation via PayPal Secure Servers. Beyond the Game, thanks you for both your financial and prayerful support.
1: Where'd you come up with Eric Carmen and the raspberries? I love it. Welcome back once again. Thanks for being with us here on Beyond the Game, mixing sports and faith and hopefully giving you a different perspective. Consider btgprogram.com or at btgprogram. Let's give it over to Zach Barletta to take us through some of his shenanigans statements for this week.
2: The NFL announced earlier this month that it has added some new features to the Pro Bowl, including dodgeball. Truth or shenanigans, adding dodgeball to the Pro Bowl makes it interesting again.
1: No. No, no, (laughs) no, no. It's, it's um, man, it's just silly. You're a loony. Why why are they so convinced that they have to play a game? I mean, just name an (laughs) all-pro team. We all know the physicality of the game does not lend itself to both putting on a good game and protecting the players. Uh, Gimmicks aren't going to help. Look, I tune into the sports to see the sports. I'm not interested in their gimmicks. I mean, unless they're going to pit a group of pro bowlers against Joe's average gym, then – or average Joe's gym, then I I couldn't care any less. I'd watch that. I would watch that.
2: (laughs) I say shenanigans, too. It it makes the skills competition interesting, but nothing can make the pro bowl interesting. It hasn't been interesting since Sean Taylor leveled a punter years and years ago. (laughs) It's just – it's a bunch of guys trying really hard not to get hurt wearing football pants. Like, that's all it is. It's boring.
0: Shenanigans, it does not make the actual Pro Bowl game any more interesting, but I am now interested in watching the skills competition. And I mean, dodgeball, that'd be kind of fun.
1: Then watch dodgeball, not the Pro Bowl.
0: <laughs> they don't generally. Know, didn't they Ball used teams. to do that? What was that show they
1: did years ago where they'd have uh, superstars or something? It was
0: on ESPN 8, the Ocho. Okay. Many people, including
2: former NFL quarterback Donovan McNabb, have spoken out against NCAA players like Christian McCaffrey and Leonard Fournette, skipping their team's bowl games to prepare for the NFL draft. Truth or shenanigans, college players should be required to play in their bowl games. What do you think? As, absolutely not. Shenanigans. These kids don't get paid to play football. It's not their job. If they get injured, they do stand to lose literally millions of dollars if they can't then make it to the nfl they have every right right to look out for their own best interests.
1: yeah i say shenanigans too although i'm not sure what the answer to this is i don't like it i don't like that a team's best player chooses to sit out but i i look i can see the player's perspective on this i i get what's happening here we all remember what happened to willis mcgahee you know uh no i yeah, I say shenanigans. What do you think, Darren?
0: I don't like it either, but shenanigans. No. You have no—you you you should not be made to play. You have no—man, uh, we're going to have edit. Well I'm said. Again. <laughs> I not think of what I was going to—I I lost my train of thought. But you have no Well, oh, I quit, so I ain't trying to say it. I quit. <laughs> I, quit. I quit. I'm done. All no, right, I'm moving shenanigans. on. Shenanigans all day. 44-year-old Yeramir
2: Yager has stated that he'll work every day with the goal of playing until he's 50. So, truth or shenanigans, Jagger will be playing in the NHL at age 50.
0: Truth.
1: Uh, shenanigans. Truth. Listen, who do you think he machine. is? Gordy Howe? No. Nah. Look, you know, all great, good for him. I'm glad he's playing. I'm, In fact, I'm glad he's playing well. But with each additional season, the mileage gets harder and harder. And let me tell you, the 10 years between 20 and 30 coming uh, is, if you follow what I mean here, the, the 10 years between 20 and 30 are not as long as the 10 years between 40 and 50.
0: I used Yarmir Yager in, like, NHL 94 or something like that on my Sega Genesis. I he, thought this guy would be done playing years ago, and he's still He was still a veteran going. player then. Yes. He's <laughs> going to play at least 50. Truth,
2: I say shenanigans. He's a legend. He's had an amazing career. Yeah, absolutely. But, you know, as you get older, you slow down. The game's speeding up. Eventually, he's not going to be able to it's keep up. It's
1: harder to get back up.
2: With that said, I love him. Benson would know. I love him. I hope he... Exactly right. I would love it if he could play at 50, but... Uh, Last but not least, signing Edwin Encarnacion makes Cleveland favorites to represent the AL in the World Series again.
1: What do you think about that?
2: As much as I've talked up the Astros on this show previously, I don't know if anyone in the league compares to what Cleveland has done in the American League. Their pitching is probably the most dominant if they all come back healthy, and they're adding Encarnacion and of
0: hopefully finally healthy Michael Brantley to the lineup. They're really good. Who do you think? Truth. Man, they were already in the World Series without him. You're adding this piece? Man, he's a good bat. They're yeah, I, I
1: agree, too. I know we've had this question a couple of times, and it went from the Astros when they got Beltron to the Red Sox when they got Sale, although I think you stuck with the Astros, Zach, and now the Indians. Yeah, I look, Encarnacion is a significant upgrade over Mike Napoli. They've got... Terrific pitching. They've got quality defense, good hitting. The American League is going to be fun to watch, and the Mm -hmm. playoffs will be incredible if everybody stays healthy. Title sponsor of the Beyond the Game program is Town & Country Pest Solutions, townandcountrysolutions.com, fearing nothing but God. I want to tell you what I like this week. It's a local high school, well, local to us here in Rochester, New York, anyway. North Star Christian Academy's boys basketball coach J.J. Garwood had arranged for his team to play a game on the floor of the Quicken Loans Arena, which of course is the home of the Cleveland Cavaliers. The teams then stuck around to watch the Cavs take on the Brooklyn Nets, but if playing on the home court of the defending NBA champions wasn't exciting enough for the guys, Coach Garwood surprised his players and their families by arranging for the Nets' Jeremy Lin to spend a few minutes with them and share a little about his fate. Lynn is an outspoken Christian who actually invites fans to receive his prayer letter and looks for ways to impact others with his faith in Christ. Lynn spoke with the boys about staying close to God, putting him first in their lives and being faithful in their walk with Christ. He reminded them that it's not their circumstances which create happiness, but it's that that it's their relationship with God. Coach Garwood's investment in his players and Jeremy Lynn's unselfish use of his time and positively impacting the lives of young people are a couple of things that I like this week. You like that? I want to thank you for listening to the beyond the game program brought to you by town and country pest solutions, town and Give them a call five eight five four two six five zero two four. Tell them Benson sent you. I hope you have a happy and safe new year. May 2017 be the year that you draw more closely to God than you ever have before for Zach Barletta. I'm Rick Benson. Lord willing, we'll be back together again next week right here at the same time. Be great this week, everybody.